Got this ready to go. Okay. Well, good morning again. Uh, welcome to the firehouse. Um, if you're new with us, thanks for joining us. Love to get to meet you if we get a chance afterwards here. But uh, my name's Rich. I'm one of the pastors. So um, again, welcome. I do love uh, Rob Nielsen's quote there. That that's a good verse. That hesitations one. I did not know that one. Many are cold, and the few are frozen. It's, um, I like that. Um, we are, let's see, we're going to do a part two of a Christmas series here this morning. Um, before I get to that, I just wanted to say a, just a special thank you. Um, we, this past week, got a chance as uh, pastors and wives to come together, and uh, for Pastor's Appreciation, you, you all had made a video for us that was just pretty awesome. And then I also pitched in, I think, and, and we had some gift certificates to eat at the, at the restaurant next door there, Old Major. And so this week we, we took some time to kind of just celebrate that together. And on behalf of all of us, our pastors and wives uh, for, for this church, we just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for your appreciation. Thank you for the video. Um, you know, that was... It was just a huge blessing to just get to hear a number of you share your hearts and your appreciation for us. And I, I know um, we're just so thankful to be pastors with, with you on, and of this church. And so... Um, and we had a great time with that meal there. The, the gift certificate, you may or may not know, was, was some sizable gift certificates. And so the reason was is because the prices on the menu over there are sizable prices. And so um, we sat down and we, uh, you know, we're not necessarily used to meals quite like that. But one of our first response to everything they brought out was, should we take a picture of this? You know, it's kind of a, some of them just look too good to eat, you know. And so it's more like artwork. And then... Occasionally we'd nibble away on some things. I think I had the best uh, grits and mushrooms that I've ever had in my life, you know. So if you want some good grits, go check over there. Um, we had some other things, you know. Uh, some of the prices were, were hefty and the, the portions were big. I think they had one serving of pork that was, I want to say it was like three pounds of pork. It was their featured item that night. Three pounds is, you know, what is that ounce-wise? A uh, bunch of ounces, yeah. And so... Um, but we ended up, uh, as wise, what we did, we ordered some and usually split it with our spouse or things like that. So a few of us had some delicious steak that was just wonderful. And, uh, and we cut them in half. And, and I know us, uh, the men, were, um, a number of us had the steaks. And it was kind of this bone-in steak thing. And uh, we, we had the bone in, in most of ours. But the question became at some point, you know, etiquette at a fancy restaurant. The question is, can you pick up the bone and chew on it or not, you know? And uh, I think I asked Dennis, is, would this be a faux pas to chew on the bone? And, you know, we kind of chuckled, and, and he decided it was not. And so he started, and then I started, and then Jeff looked down the table and saw us picking up the bone, chewing on it, so he said he felt free to do that as well. So if anyone asks, your, your pastor probably, you know, they, they chew on the steak on a bone, it's, and it's really wonderful. Um, but anyways, we just want to thank you all so much. It is a blessing just to call this our church home and you our church family. And um, boy, we, we appreciate it um, just being a part of this. So I just wanted to pass that on to you on behalf of all of us here. And, you know, we thought about making a video for you guys, and, and we did not. But uh, you, you never know. Don't tempt us. I think it's a, I was thinking about some rendition of like the sound of music with all the pastors singing together different parts. But we 
didn't know if you guys would appreciate that so much either. Yeah. So, but anyways, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to jump into this uh, message on Christmas here this morning. And we're we're going to be looking at just to let you know we're going to be looking at one facet, one passage. There's a lot of places you could go with the remembering the the first Christmas story, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter two, verses one through twelve this morning. So we're going to go ahead and pray and ask God to to meet us as we look at these verses together. So if you will, let's just bow our heads and, and pray one more time. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just look to you this morning. Um, we thank you for just uh, recording these events and how they played out. We thank you for foretelling them through the prophets and then having them play out exactly as you planned. And uh, Lord, we just want to remember those things here this morning. God, I pray that you'd help us to hear from you this morning. God, we can be pretty familiar with the Christmas story and the events related to that. And I pray that you would speak to us in a fresh way this morning as we look at these verses, as we hear from your Spirit. God, I, I pray you touch each one of our hearts. Help us not to have the same old Christmas experience we might be used to, but uh, to meet with you in a fresh new way this Christmas. And, and we ask for your grace for all of this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we're just going to read through um, kind of three sections of this passage. And uh, if you have your Bible, feel free to, to flip to that, Matthew chapter 2. If not, we do uh, have these on the overhead for you here this morning. So um, we're going to look, divide it up into three sections here. The first one is just verses 1 through 3. And so um, we can read that together. There we go. Um, oops, sorry. Pass. There we are. All right. Um, so, guys, we'll just read along. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. So, we're going to just uh, kind of chew on a couple parts of this, this first thing here. Um, you know, for starters, who were the Magi? Who, who were these? I think some translations, the Magi is uh, uh, the Greek for just a word that means uh, wise men. So there's, some say they were magicians, Magi coming from the root of magicians. Some say astrologers and astronomers and um, you know, I liked one, some commentary said that these guys were possibly some, um, some either priests or scholars of an order that uh, Daniel had created several hundred years before that to be watching for certain prophecies to play out related to the Christ who would come and save the world. And so there's all sorts of different takes on who these guys are. But, you know, I think more important than, than who they were or what you call them is, is what, what did they do? What example did they give us that is been recorded in scriptures now for eternity. And we're going to look at, at their examples, some lessons that we can learn from these guys here. Um, and so um, I'm going to start with this, this verse here. Is just really uh, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. And so that, that was their response. These guys came to town from another country, another culture. They're looking for the one who's been born to be the king of the Jews. And they, they saw a star related to this. And they started asking questions. And, and the, the response, I just think it's interesting to see the response of the city of Jerusalem was this disturbed them. This disturbed them. Uh, you know, it's kind of a curious response. Why would the word of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who's coming from the Jewish people, disturb King Herod and the city of Jerusalem? That should be the one place on the planet where it was ex 
celebrated. People were excited about it. And so, you know, we're going to look at a few things, why, why it might have disturbed them. And then we're also going to ask some questions, how does this relate to us? Um, and so, you know, I think, why, why did it disturb? Why would Herod have been disturbed at this news? I, mean, I think we can, we can guess. Disturbed in other translations is distressed, troubled, fearful. Um, you know, and what would have brought that about in King Herod? You know, in his world, I think there's probably a number of reasons, but being as he was kind of the ruler of that neck of the woods and it was kind of his little kingdom, the idea of another king being born in his kingdom, um, that disturbed him. Uh, you might even say it made him angry. He uh, went on, as we know, to try to figure out a way how to kill this one who was born king of the Jews. And he didn't want anyone messing with his world that he, he was in charge of, that he had a power in and authority in. And, you know, we have to watch out. You know, the, there's the news of a Christ, a king coming into your world. Does it disturb you at all? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But as surely did him. Um, the people also, you know, other forms of being disturbed. I, I wonder if some of being disturbed is they got a little anxious. They were anxious. What's happened? This, this Messiah is coming. Oh no, what does this mean for my life, my city, my, uh, my goals, my dreams, my ambitions? I'm sure they were somewhat anxious. Some were probably, um, um, I would say, let's see here. Some anxious. Some were probably annoyed. You know, I think some might have been apathetic. Who cares? Some king is showing up, whatever. I don't care. I got a lot to do. But sometimes being apathetic can manifest itself. It can show up in being annoyed. I don't care unless you start messing with my world, my status quo, the way things are going to be if left to me to run them. I think some people probably got a little annoyed at that idea that someone is coming to town that might have something to say to them. Um, it can go on from there to becoming antagonistic. You know, the, the scriptures are very clear that the idea of the Christ returning, people are going to not just be who cares or just a little annoyed. People are going to get very bold in saying things about you and I as we wait and expect the return of the Christ. And so, you know, that's probably some things that were going on then. It's hard to tell exactly, but, you know, I think as it relates to us, we're not waiting for the arrival of the Messiah at His birth or anything like that, but we are awaiting the return of the Christ, the Christ who did come and made this a visited planet, the Christ who did live a perfect life and die a perfect death, a substitutionary death for us, the Christ that did rise from the grave and ascended to heaven, and we are, we are awaiting His return. And I'd have a question for you. If someone came to town uh, from another country and another culture, and they showed up in your living room, or your small group, and they started asking questions, you know, so, you know, is it happening? What are we supposed to be looking for? And I've heard, I've heard we're getting really close to the second coming. How would that make you feel? What are the emotions that run through your heart? The Christ is returning very soon. How does that make you feel? Does that make you angry? How dare you say that? I've got things to do. It's going to interfere with my plans. That makes you, does it make you anxious? No, no, no. No, he can't show up now. I'm, I'm not ready. That's, that's not cool. Or annoyed. Or do you get a little antagonistic? Yeah, sure. That's what they've been saying for a while here. Um, I want you to just think through some of that. But we need to beware. Learn from their example. You know, do not, don't be disturbed by the news of Christ's return. It's very clear from scriptures that we should not be disturbed by it. Um, that we should even be um, 
looking forward to it. Be in faith of the blanks that I gave you on the form. Just be in faith and anticipating Christ's return. I love that word disturbed there. It's used um, uh, in that passage. But sometimes when you hear a word, you go, where else have I heard that word before in the Scriptures? It reminds me of the movie Lord of the Rings. Uh, at one point, I think it's Gandalf. Is, uh, he heard someone call the ring precious. And he's like, I've heard that before, precious. Where did I hear my precious? And he goes and finds these scrolls and sorts through and eventually finds someone had called the ring precious back in the days and there were ramifications. And you know, it's true of the scriptures all the time. You can hear a word like disturbed and you go, you know, that word is not probably accidentally. I've heard that before. I've heard that word before in the Old Testament. This one... um, in Isaiah the prophet, in verse, uh, chapter 28, verse 16, there's one point where he says, talking about the Christ and how He would be the cornerstone and the foundation, and he says this, He who believes in it, in the Christ, will not be disturbed. You know, there's things that are going to happen uh, related to the, the return of the Christ. And there are things that are going to be very disturbing if you are not taking them in faith. And if you are looking to the Christ to take care of you and provide for you all that you will need, you will not be disturbed. But if you are not in faith, you will be disturbed. You should be disturbed. The events are going to be fearful. There's all sorts of words that say there will be nothing that has ever occurred in history that will be like it's going to be. And if you are not in faith, you should be disturbed. Better solution would be... To be in faith and trusting Christ and strengthening your faith and be ready, anticipating His return. You know, I was uh, encouraged by just this morning in, in my reading, just reading through the one-year Bible here, the devotion. Um, there in, in Jude, there was this um, a couple verses that spoke, I think, to this idea. But it just says, um, Jude 17, um, it says, But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus told you, that in the last times there would be scoffers, whose purpose in life is to enjoy themselves in every evil imaginable way. Um, and now they are here, and they're, they're creating divisions among you. They live by natural instinct, because they do not have God's Spirit living in them. But you, dear friends... But you, dear friends in the Firehouse Church, must continue to build your lives on the foundation of your holy faith and continue to pray as you are directed by the Holy Spirit. We need to be building our faith, men and women. We need to be strengthening it because there are alarming things that are going to happen. And Jesus said to His disciples, here's what's going to happen. And don't you be alarmed. It's got to happen like this. But have your head in the game. And we need to be strengthened in our faith. And so, um, you know, just one, one thing to be thinking about that. Uh, I was talking to John Meyer this week. He's a pastor up in Fort Collins that kind of helps uh, manage our, our region. Um, and we were talking about faith walkers and things like that. And he said, you know, it's interesting that this year, faith walkers' attendance throughout all the churches tends to be, it's, it's lower than it's been before. And, you know, he's trying to think through why is that? You know, what's going on that that would be the case? kind of universally, and we, we were talking through some of the ramifications, and, and he just shared with me, I've known John for probably 18 years, something like that, and um, I've never gotten a sense from him before, he's not kind of like one of those conspiracy theory guys that is always thinking this is the end, you know, the sky is falling, something like that. John has never really had that spirit about him, but more recently John has been communicating, and when he teaches the scriptures, he teaches it in a way 
that some of these things, as if some of these things are actually going to play out and have ramifications into your lives and into your church. And things like from when persecution begins to increase, there will be the removal of likely teachers and pastors from our congregations. And some of you will have to step up and rise up. And you'll be put in situations that you might review some teachings in the past and go, oh, I wish I would have paid attention to that one. It's exactly like he was talking about. And John and I were talking about how faith walkers, I think sometimes we can get familiar with it. If you're like me, I've been to every faith walkers that they've done, you know, which is, you know, that's not a huge history. I think it was ten, it's nine of them, I think. Maybe next year, ten years. But you can kind of go faith walkers. It's what I do. I go there. It's cool. It's awesome. But it's not as cool and as exciting as the very first time we went, you know, driving through snowstorms and wondering, you know, where is this place at? And now it's kind of familiar. Now we know where it is and we know what to expect. We probably, you could probably predict the menu and you may or may not have good thoughts about that. Um, there's different things here. But, you know, really the goal of Faith Walkers, it's designed to be something that can strengthen your faith and encourage your heart in a way that there's probably nothing else like it in the rest of your year that you could invest in for three days that would impact your faith like faith walkers will. And it's possible, you know, we're planning on having them for a year in and year out for a while. But it's possible this year might not play out like that. It's possible things could happen in our world that would not allow there to be another faith walkers. And I just got to ask you, what are you investing in to strengthen and to grow your faith? Sometimes we think, you know, the end times hit, I'm going to rise to the occasion, I'm going to be the hero, give me a gun, let's go get them. Um, but you know what the scripture says is going to happen? Many Christians who've been living nominal Christians' lives, showing up in churches as consumers, they're going to they're gonna get really scared. And many people are going to take their faith and take this book and they're going to walk away from it and distance themselves from it. That's what Jesus said is going to happen. Why would that not happen to you? Only if you are strengthening your faith. Only if you are taking the words of God very seriously. If you're not doing that now, and somehow you think when, when push comes to shove and there's going to be ramifications for that, you're going to stick with this book. Don't kid yourself. Are you investing in um, your faith today? Are you living by this book today? Because there's going to be consequences, growing consequence as these things play out. And so, anyways, um, we need to be in faith. And then only if you're in faith can you anticipate what is to unfold. We need to have our heads in the game. There's some things we, we have a mission we're supposed to carry out. It's not just going to be like, all right, it's going to get rough here. Let's survive. Let's get a cave. Let's hide away. We got the, you know, we, we've heard it before, the beans, the, the beans, Bibles, bullets, whatever it is. You might have your favorite part of that. Some of you might be the bullets guys, and some of you might be the Bibles guys. Um, but, you know, we actually have a mission when things get turbulent. We have to actually not just survive, but we need to thrive. We've got a mission to carry out in the middle of it all. That's what this conference is about this year. I hope you can catch it if, if you still got an option to think about that. I, I would encourage you to. I'll invite you to next year's one. You know, if it's going to happen or not, we'll wait till next year to give you a pitch for that. But, but this year there's still a chance. So look over your schedule there. Um, we need to be in faith. We need to be anticipated, not disturbed by what is to unfold. So um, let's go on to this next section here. Um, I'm going to just read this passage, and we're going to invite the band back up for another song here. But um, this part, if you read it with me, it's just... Um, it says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In, Judea, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, 
For this is what the prophet has written, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people. Uh, it goes on to say, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, that, so that I too may go and worship him. So here's the scene, that the, the part that we really want to focus on here, and even this song we're going to look at is, is these guys come, they show up in Jerusalem and ask, okay, where is it going down? And Herod didn't know. Um, he was the ruler of that, but he was kind of uh, grafted into the, the Jewish world there, if you will. But uh, he went and asked the experts, okay, where is the Christ supposed to show up? And I almost think it, it, you could say, you know, when he asked them this, they could be like, well, duh, it's Bethlehem in Judea, just like it says in the prophet, just like Micah said, right there. Bethlehem, you know. And, and it was probably pretty obvious. They were probably pretty familiar. They probably didn't have to go search through the scrolls like Gandalf did in some other tower somewhere. They probably knew right there. They probably had it memorized. Um, but the thing that strikes me is they, they knew exactly where the Christ would arrive, and they did nothing. They did not care to go find them for themselves. They had this attitude of, hey, we know this, we've got the scriptures, I know the signs to look for, the places, the prophecies, and it doesn't affect me. They were complacent, they were comfortable, something along that lines. And so I've asked the band just to do a song for us, a special song. It's one, uh, I, I like it a lot, you may or may not, but uh, hopefully you do. Um, I know Jeremy likes it as well. There. It's an old Newsboys song called Lost the Plot. And it just uh, talks about the dangers that we have to watch out for related to knowing the signs that are to come and, and how we're living today and whether we're aware. But anyways, listen to this song here and we'll finish that point. Um, and we'll go from there.
let's be blunt We're a little distracted What do you want? Once we could follow Now we cannot You would not fit our image And we lost the plot Once we could hear you senses are shot We've forgotten our first love till we lost the plot Lost the For the first time You were hanging with the thief And I knew my hands were dirty I dropped my case Then you said I was forgiven You welcomed me with laughter I was happy ever after I was counting the days When you come back again Be waiting for you When you come back again for you, maybe we'll wake up then, maybe we'll wake up then, when you come back again, lies, let's be blind, we're a little unfaithful, what do you want, are you still listening, cause you're obviously not, we've forgotten Experts at stalling, and we've lost the plot. Lost the plot. Lost the plot. Lost the plot. When you come back again, would you bring me something from the fridge? Awesome. There's some lines in that that just, uh, I'm going to get me every time. I, I, I don't know about you. I hope there's some things that stood out to you in there, but um, I just got comfortable here, you know. Sometimes that can be our attitude. I just got comfortable here. I don't want to hear about some return of, it's going to mess up my, my world. I'm kind of comfortable here. I like the line, for a time we stuck with the shepherd, but he wouldn't play Santa Claus. You think... You feel that way about your Savior sometimes? I'll stick with you if you bless me, if you treat me good, if you answer all my prayers, I'll stick with you. But if your goal is not to bless me, you know, i got other things to do here. i got other things that you know, I'm going to look to follow, I'm going to give my heart to. We stuck with the shepherd. He wouldn't play Santa Claus. Um, 
you know, it says once we could listen and now we could not. Um, talks about our senses being shot. Um, we've forgotten our first love. We've lost the plot. You know, I think there's a, in this world that we live in, in this season that we're walking into, there's so many things that will shoot your senses. There are things from great foods and beverages and wonderful Christmas ales and there's entertainment, there's movies being released and there's going to be bowl games and there's going to be all sorts of things that will deaden your senses to your Savior and to His will. And, and the thought of Him coming back... I just got comfortable here, Lord. Why don't you just hold it off? There's an old U2 line that I used to like. Uh, it was back in the early 80s, back when U2 was U2. Um, but they, they had a line that said, um, won't you come back tomorrow so that I can sleep today? You know, I think of the old uh, Pink Floyd song. Some of you know Pink Floyd, some of you don't. Uh, I don't, but I can quote them. Uh, no, I used to listen to them in college, but they had a song called Comfortably Numb. I've become comfortably numb. And I'm afraid that that is what the church is becoming in these last days, that we are comfortable here. We are no different. We can look at these people who knew where to look, and we can say, I can't believe you didn't at least wander over to Bethlehem. It's just down the street. Just down the stinking street. You could have walked there. And, and you know, um, I wonder sometimes, what if someone from another country who maybe has heard about Christ, maybe somehow became a Christian, what if they showed up and they started asking you, hey guys, what are the signs that we are supposed to look for? What would you say? What would you tell them? What signs should they look for? This could be not a rhetorical question. This is an interactive part here. What are there some signs? Someone shows up from another country and they're saying, hey, you guys, you know, everyone in America is Christians, right? What are the signs? What should I look for? Spout them off, please, if you don't mind, or else we'll have to do another series on the signs. Um, what are some things, what are some passages of Scripture you'd point them to? Earthquakes. Earthquakes. Rebuilding the temple. Rebuilding of the temple. What's some other things? What's that? Wars, lots of wars. Famines. Where would you point them in the Scriptures to get some of these things? Revelation, eventually. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good place. It's pretty meaty. Some other places? Matthew 25, Matthew 24. Um, what's that? Daniel. Daniel. Daniel chapter 9 would be a good one. 9, 10, 11, 12. Um, so there's, it's kind of twofold I ask you this question. One is, you should know these things. Jesus said in uh, Matthew 24 is a classic passage. Uh, there's parallels in, in Mark and Luke. Um, I think it's Mark 13 that says, a couple verses, it says about five times to um, be on your guard, be alert, watch. Uh, it's like a man going away, he leaves his house, puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and he tells the one at the door, keep watch. And he goes on to say, If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. How can you watch for the signs if you don't know what they are? These guys knew what to watch for. We know a few things here and there. There's a little confusion. You know, there's earthquakes and famines and what's the classic line from Ghostbusters, you know, and cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria, you know. And we can throw in other things as well. But we need to watch. In order to watch, we've got to figure out what the signs are. And, and we need to be watching for them. We need to be alert. Um, we can't get complacent. If you know what they are, 
you know, are you familiar with them? Sometimes we know, you know, yeah, duh, earthquakes, wars, rumors, Middle East trouble, same old, same old. They've been there, done that, they're still doing that. Um, but if you don't know them, you've got to get to know the signs. You know, Matthew 24, again, get to Revelation's great, but Matthew 24 is a teaching where Jesus said, hey, to his followers, here's some things to watch for. Here's kind of like a framework for things that will play out. Daniel 9 is another, has some other prophecy there as well. Revelation, the whole thing. But, um, but the signs are a good start. And so someone said, okay, what's going to be going on? And we say, well, it's, it's going to be um, earthquake wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes, uh, famines, pestilences. Luke adds in a few things like those. Um, there will be persecution. There will be, he just goes through a list of things there. But, so if you're talking to someone, they're from this other country, you're explaining it to them, and then they, they leave you and they, they go, what are they going to leave saying? They're going to leave going, well then, it's happening, isn't it? And what do we, what is our attitude? Well, yeah, there's the signs and they're happening all around us. And yeah, let's get on with life, you know. I've got things to do, places to go. I've got gifts to buy. I've got parties to go to. Um, but we have to be careful, men and women. We, we are closer to being that generation that's assigned to be at the door and watch. We are more that generation than any other group of people that has ever lived on this planet. And we need to be awake. We need to be alert. To the blank there, you can put whatever you want. I had be sober-minded and ready for action. Peter was there on that first uh, Mount of Olives teaching. Uh, the Olivet Discord is, is what it's called there, Matthew 24. But Peter was there. But he says a few things like this in his messages later. First Peter 1.13, he says, Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. He goes on to continue in that passage, 1 Peter 1. He says, Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Live in a holy way, like people who know their God is holy and coming back and going to call us to account. I love that phrase. Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. He went on to say, chapter 4 of 1 Peter, The end of all things is near. Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. We've got to be praying, men and women, praying for wisdom. What are the signs? What do I do to prepare? Um, how do I reach people? Have you reached all the people that you can reach with the gospel? Have you engaged those? Maybe you've already reached all your friends and family. Highly unlikely. But if you have, we need to engage others who might not know of the return of the Christ and all its ramifications. But we need to be sober-minded, alert, watching, ready, ready for action. Those... Those wise men were ready for action. They, they heard, okay, it's Jerusalem. And they went and they found him. They, they were looking for the star that was to be assigned to them, whether that was the star that's referred to in Numbers 24, 17, in prophecy there, whether it was uh, you know, some supernatural thing God gave them. They were ready and they took action based on what they knew. And we, we must be aware of the error that those people had back in Jerusalem at that time. We need to be sober-minded, ready for action here. So, something, you know, one of your assignments maybe over the Christmas break here is study some of these signs a little bit. Get on, get on that little thing. I don't know what's that thing we put in front of us here. Um, what's it called? A smartphone or something like that. And I've got one. I've got one as well. But get on that thing and look up some signs. Look up some, you know, you want to get your heart pumping a little bit. Look up Bible prophecy and world news. And read a few articles just to get you thinking. Just to maybe snap you out of that... 
celebrating the birth of Jesus, self-centered spiritual coma that you might enter into the next few weeks here. Sober up a little bit here. And uh, let's look at this next thing here. We've got two more songs we're going to do at the end to wrap things up. So we're going to hit this passage here. It talks about... um, so after hearing the king, they went on their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That seems they were pretty excited. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Um, and after coming to the house where they saw the, the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures. They presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. And so we're just going to look at the two last two things here. You know, one question is, what was the star that they saw? Again, there's a lot of speculation. Some say there was things that back then, if you rewind the clock and see what was going on in the skies, there were some planets that aligned. Others say there was a comet that came through and happened to give them a sign. Others say, I think there's a, a video out there about, you know, a certain star that it was and how it could have done this and that and the other. Um, you know, we don't exactly know. We know that there was a star that they recorded it as saying, we saw this star. But the star seems to be a little bit mysterious. It says we saw it in the east, and then now we've traveled here. They apparently weren't still seeing it. And then they left Herod on their way to Bethlehem, and they said they saw it again, and they were extremely excited. And then it says the star stopped right at the place where the child was. Stars don't do that, right? Normally they don't do that. So if you think you know, there's a natural explanation for this, maybe there is. Maybe it's the planets aligned. I tend to think it was some form of a star, or they wouldn't have called it that. But I also know that stars don't show up one day, uh, disappear, show up another day, and then stop right over Bethlehem. Um, it seems to me there was probably something supernatural related to it all. And again, it doesn't really matter what was the star. I think the question is, what was the purpose of the star? What did God use that star for? Um, and, you know, I think that's encouraging just to, to realize that God used the star to guide these stargazers to His Son. He used this star to guide them all the way to His Son. And, you know, for them it was a star. I think about the shepherds. The shepherds didn't really have a star they saw. I think they had a couple of interesting signs. The angel showed up. But the angels also said, Hey, shepherd dudes... Look for a manger. Your sign is a manger. You know those things that you have back at the barn that you feed your sheep with? Well, there's going to be a baby in one of those. And so he gave them a sign that kind of spoke into their world. I think about those he called from the fishing industry. Peter and some of the fishers, man. One of the signs that struck Peter and dropped him to his knees before the Lord was a catch of fish that was enormous. And, and he knew this, this is the one. And he fell down and he said, I'm not worthy. And so he used a star for the stargazers, astrologers. He used a manger for the shepherds. He used fish for the fishermen. But the point in all of this is is God is able to guide you to His Son in whatever way that you personally need guided there. And if you're looking, if you really want to find Him, He will guide you there. And so I don't know where you are this morning, if you are a Christ follower already or not, just checking out church, but you need to know that if you want to find Him, He will give you everything that you need. And you need to know that. Look for it. Look for what might speak personally into your world. Um, But for those of you that have found the Christ, you know, I think um, 
we uh, need to ask, you know, what, what is guiding your life now? You became a Christian. You had an encounter with the Christ. You placed your trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. Now what's guiding your life? Um, what's directing your life? Because, um, you know, in some ways, you know, are you, following, are you following the Christ nowadays? Or are you following your own star? One way to ask this question relates to this Christmas season. Um, who... Who's the star of your Christmas this year? Who's the star of your Christmas? What is your Christmas centered around? A lot of people will say, well, family, uh, or gifts, or celebrating. And those are all, all great things, but, um, but the, the star, the Christ, he had some other things to say about what your life should be centered around. In some ways, this next few weeks of Christmas are a snapshot of your entire life. In some ways, you have more discretionary time that you're going to express in these next couple weeks than you get in the rest of the year. In some ways, you're kind of, uh, your cards get displayed in these next couple weeks. Where are you spending your time? What are you going to center your life around? Because the Christ that they, they encountered there, He grew up, you know, uh, He's not a baby anymore. And he grew up and he said some things that are pretty challenging to think about. If you were guided to the Christ, this is what your Savior has to say. He said this a few times. He said, um, let's see here, and, and you might know these, but uh, at one point a bunch of people were following him. They're going, okay, he's doing these miraculous things. He's got these authoritative teachings. Um, and, and what is he saying? He said at one point, um, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, the Christ, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What's your Christmas centered around? Is it centered around family? Because that is a good thing, and yet there, right there could be a very big conflict between following the Christ and your family, because the Christ said, you know what, there's going to be a point where you're going to have to show that your love for God is orders of magnitude greater than your love for your family. Yes, even your children. Yes, even your own life. And um, you've got to ask the question, what is your life centered around? What is your Christmas centered around? Family is a good thing unless you want to follow Christ all the way. There can be a conflict there, and you need to make sure you know what's going on in your heart related to that. Money is another thing. I, you know, I find so many people that say, I, I follow Jesus. Everyone who's a Christian, I follow Jesus. Um, one of our core values in our uh, association of churches is a commitment to God and God's Word. A lot of people say, I follow God, I follow Jesus. But are you living by His Word? Jesus, the Christ, said this at one point, uh, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. You call Him your Lord. Are you living by His Word? Time and time again, I, someone's, I, I'm just following Jesus. And you look at the decisions that guide their choices. You look at what's directing them. And you find, oh, that's not Jesus. You're following a career. That's a career path there. Very clearly, there's a path to follow that plugs Jesus in at the end of wherever that career destination goes. Some people are very clearly following education. Some people are following money. Some people are following family. Hey, my family's there. That's where I'm going. Well, you know, to follow the Christ may not mean following your career. It may, it may cause you to make another decision on your career. It may cause you to have to leave family lovingly behind in another location. Following the Christ is, is not what I think 
We think it means sometimes. And so we need to just go, who, who is the star of your Christmas this year? Who's the center of your life? Who's guiding you? For those who have looked to Christ as their Savior, it said He's given you His Spirit. The Spirit of the Christ lives in you. Are you following the Christ? Are you living by His words? Or, or are you just saying that? And like He says here, why do, you, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? We need to think about this over the next few weeks as, as we go through things here. Um, the last thing we're just going to talk about, these guys, um, when they found the, the Christ, they worshipped Him. I love this. It said they, they came to the house, they saw the child with his, with his mother, they fell to the ground and worshipped Him. They presented their treasures. Uh, they opened their treasures, presented to Him uh, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, if you, uh, I heard someone that says before that said, um, when you come to encounter the Christ personally, you will not leave by the same way. You will, you'll, you will leave another way. When you come in personal contact with the Christ, you leave changed. You don't return the same way you came. And if you have come to the Christ, to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, to worship Him is a very fitting thing to do. You know, these guys saw the child, but do you know they knew that? This was more than a child. They didn't just go, oh, there's a baby who's going to be... They knew this was born the King of the Jews. They knew this was the Messiah from the Scriptures that was foretold. They knew this one... You know, I think they knew Isaiah. They probably knew Isaiah um, where he said... Uh, I think it's Isaiah 9 where it says, Unto us a child is born. And it goes on to describe all the ramifications of this child. But they probably knew Isaiah 53 that goes on to say, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds we are healed. They probably knew that the Christ would be the Savior and they worshipped Him accordingly. But if you found Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, what are you offering to worship Him? What have you offered to worship Him? What will you offer to worship Him this Christmas? Um, the classic line, we're just going to close on this, and we're going to do a few Christmas carols that are really worship carols here. Um, but in Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul, who had an encounter with the Christ, he, he said this, and I mean, it's just it's pretty powerful, it's pretty awesome. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, my brothers and sisters who've looked to the Christ, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Have you given your life to the Christ? Have you said, my life is it's yours, it's not mine? Have you placed it on the altar? Because if you haven't, it would probably be a very fitting thing to do. I love how Paul says, I urge you to do this. Other translations say, I plead with you to do this. He doesn't say, I command you to do this. You are commanded to give your life to the Savior. No, it was a free gift of salvation for all your sins. And what we can do is urge you. You know, it is fitting. I urge you. I plead with you. Give your life to your Savior. Offer your body to Him as a living sacrifice. You know, one of the neat things about offering your body as a living sacrifice, back in the Old Testament days, you got your animal, you, you killed it, you cut it, you whatever, sliced it and diced it. And... Um, but, was one offering per animal, you know? One, you offered it, it was gone. You and I, we've got a body that you can offer over and over again to your Savior. And the problem with a living sacrifice, as you've probably heard before, is that a living sacrifice can crawl off the altar. And we've got to say, no, Lord, I'm yours again. No, Lord, this, this body is yours. 
it's going to live a holy and a pleasing life to you. And uh, maybe you've once given your life to Christ and maybe you've gotten off the altar, taken control again, been the star, following your own star. Maybe it's time to offer yourself on the altar again and say, Lord, my life is yours. And maybe you need to do that over and over again this Christmas season. I know I do. I know this body of mine, this flesh, does not want to stay on the altar holy and pleasing to God. And I get a chance to offer it again and again. And whenever it leads me into sin, I can call it sin. And I can thank the Christ for dying for me. And I can offer myself to Him again and ask Him to fill me, guide me, and direct me. And I hope you would do that throughout this Christmas season. There's a chance to offer yourself again and again over the next couple weeks, over the rest of your life as well. But we're going to have uh, the band just lead us in two Christmas carol worship songs here, and we will call it a morning. And then um, we hope to see you next week at the, uh, at the Christmas concert. There will be some songs and some more Christmas worship there. But we're just going to close with two songs here and, and call it a day. Maybe these guys can pray after you're done. and. Uh,
this season. Um, God, we, t we agree. We just do not want to lose the plot of, of, of what we're here for, what we're trying to do, God, what you're trying to do through us. God, we just want to remember you. Uh, God, we want to remember uh, just what you've done for us and what you're doing in our lives. And we just pray that we'd be spurred into action this, this season as we just think about you. And God, we just want, don't want to lose the plot. And uh, God, help us to do that. We just pray this in all your son's name. Amen. All right, everybody have a great week. And remember, next week, 6 o'clock here on Sunday evening. Thanks. <laughs>